0: Hey everybody, this is your host, Andre Cherry, and you are listening to the Cherry Picking Podcast, which is presented by the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. You are now tuned in to the Cherry Picking Podcast with your host, Andre Cherry. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another show of the Cherry Picking Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys listening to my week 13 podcast episode for the season. It's crazy. We are through this season. We've got only two weeks of the regular season remaining, including this one. So I'm excited to really get into it. And I want to give you my recap for week 12 action. And then, as always, we'll preview the week ahead. And so we'll start this podcast off like I normally start my podcast. And I'll give you my recap of my top five locks for week 12 action. So in week 12 I went 4-1. and one, And I want to recap the games that I won. And also talk about the game that I lost. So in the ACC I had Florida State over Alabama State. Florida State got the victory 49-12. to They became bowl eligible this weekend with the victory. And it, it seems like it's been a long time since they've been to a bowl game, but it's only been a season. And I know the season hasn't really gone the way that most folks who follow the program would have thought it would have gone. Their head coach got fired earlier in the season, so it seemed like all hope was lost. But they get the victory to become bowl eligible this weekend, and I really have to wonder if If firing Willie Taggart was the right move, did you fire him because you just really didn't believe in him as the head coach of that program? Did you not think that he could get bowl eligibility this season? I tend to believe that they just wanted a clean break and they didn't want anything to do with Willie Taggart, so they just let him go. But I have to wonder if he would have gotten to six wins this season on his own. I really do. But nonetheless, they're bowl eligible and they were my lock in the ACC this week. In the Big Ten, I had Wisconsin over Nebraska. No shock there. I I thought Wisconsin would handle Nebraska no problem. The Badgers got the victory over the Cornhuskers by a score of 37-21. to And in that game, as a team, Wisconsin rushed for 320 yards. So Wisconsin has been running the ball very well, very effectively. They're a program that runs the ball very well in their storied history of playing football in the Big Ten. They are a team that runs the ball very, very well. Jonathan Taylor, the running back for the Wisconsin Badgers, the junior running back, he ran for 204 yards on 25 carries with two touchdowns. Taylor became the first FBS player since 2000 to run for 200 yards three times against the same team, according to Sport Radar. Jonathan Taylor recorded his 11th 200-yard game, moving into a four-way tie for most in a career by an FBS player. Taylor currently, for his career, has 5,634 career rushing yards. Taylor moved behind Georgia's Herschel Walker into first place for most yards rushing through a junior season. So this young man probably will be invited to the Heisman ceremony, I would think, in New York in a few weeks from now. He's having a great season. He's had a great career. I'm sure this will probably be his last season there as a running back. You know, you're taking a lot of the punishment and this young man rushes the ball an insane amount of times. I mean, we're talking 25 plus amount of carries he gets per game. So he's taken a lot of punishment through three years as a Badger. So I would imagine that this would probably be his final season there. But if he were to come back for a, a fourth season, I'm sure he's going, he would smash all records. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm sure he wants to go to the NFL where his talents would be uh, greatly appreciated. He'd be paid for his efforts. So I you know, I don't see him coming back to Wisconsin, but hats off to this young man for having such a great career as a Wisconsin Badger. They Another great running back from Wisconsin. So that's a, such a tremendous honor and um, great accomplishment for this young man. I did get my loss in the Big 12 this week. I had Kansas State over West Virginia, however West Virginia ended up getting a victory 24 to 20 over the Kansas State Wildcats. I thought that Kansas State would win big, but I was wrong. The Mountaineers got a good victory over K-State. And the Wildcats only have themselves to blame. I mean, they shot themselves in the foot. They had seven penalties as a team. And Kansas State's quarterback, Skylar Thompson, threw two interceptions to the West Virginia defense. So Kansas State definitely lost this game, but a great victory for West Virginia. They get a win in the Big 12, but that win certainly takes some of the momentum that Kansas State had this season after upsetting Oklahoma a few weeks ago, so tough loss. Then in the Pac-12, I had Washington State over Stanford, and Washington State got the victory 49-22. to Stanford has had some injury issues, but it really is sad to see them playing so poorly this season. The last time the tree only had four wins on the season was back in 2007 which was Jim Harbaugh's first season as head coach at Stanford when they went 4-8 and eight that season. So it's uh, tough. I mean, Stanford had been so dominant for so long, it seemed like, in the Pac-12 North, but they are a, a shell of what they used to be this season. So tough loss for Stanford, but Washington State gets the victory 49-22, to as do I. And then in the SEC, I had Alabama over Mississippi State. Alabama got the victory 38-7. It was a bounce-back win for Bama after the tough loss at home against LSU the week prior. But the biggest news to come out of college football this week has to be the injury news about Tua Tungavailoa. He got hurt in that game. He ended up getting a dislocated hip and also suffered a posterior wall fracture. I mean, this young man, he was injured with three minutes remaining before halftime in Saturday's game when he was tackled by two Mississippi State defenders while rolling to his left on a third down play. And I know a lot of folks out there are criticizing head coach Nick Saban at Alabama for playing Tua Tonga-Vailoa, you know, when they already had a lead. Maybe he should have been pulled at that time. But if you listen to the game and, and to Nick Saban's thoughts at halftime, he was saying that he just wanted to have Tua do the two-minute drill. And then, he, you know, the plan was to have him out at after halftime and have the backup in. But, I, you know, I don't blame Nick Saban for playing Tua. I mean, he's been in these situations before where he's played for a, a set period of time and then they pull him out after a substantial lead. But Nick Saban was doing what he had been doing all season, playing Tua. And he wanted him to get a two-minute drill in before the halftime. And then he was going to sit him. So, you know, injuries happen in football. Tua is not the first star player to get injured. And Tua won't be the last star player to get injured in a college football game. But I don't think Nick Saban was doing anything wrong by playing Tua Tuganvailoa when he did and keeping him in the game. I I think he was just doing what he normally does. And Tua would have played the two minutes and then that would have been it. But he got hurt, and like I said, injuries happen, and unfortunately, he has a pretty serious injury when you dislocate your hip, so he had to have surgery on that, and by all accounts, I hear that the procedure went very well, and there was news out of Alabama which confirms that Tua had a successful surgery, and I'll read this to you, uh, and I quote, Tua had successful surgery on his right hip on Monday morning in Houston. The surgery went as planned, according to the school, which said Tua Tangavailoa is resting comfortably end quote. So that's really great news to hear that the surgery went well. I hope he has a speedy recovery because I've, I've heard anything with the hips certainly can affect your mobility, uh, certainly could, probably can affect the way he plays the game. So I, I hope that he's able to have a speedy recovery. This is Tua's second surgery of the season. He had surgery on his right ankle on October 20th. So uh, tough year for this young man. He probably was in line to go to the Heisman. He still probably will be at the Heisman, I would think. He's had some great stats this season, but it really seems like this is Joe Burrow's Heisman race to lose. But uh, there we have it. Those were my week 12 locks, and I went 4-1, and that puts me at 78% accuracy through 12 weeks. This week, I'm going to try to go 5-0 and with my locks through week 13, and my week 13 locks are presented by my bookie. Are you the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it? Well, MyBookie is a place for you because they let you turn all of your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code LATEFEES to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code LATEFEES. To take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer, visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Gambling problem? Please call 1-800-GAMBLER for help. So in the ACC, I have NC State over Georgia Tech. I think NC State will get one win closer to bowl eligibility with a victory over Georgia Tech this weekend, which will be setting up an epic matchup between the Tar Heels and the Wolfpack on November 30th. In that contest, NC State has won the last three matchups with North Carolina. This is going to be a great game because North Carolina is good again. So if NC State gets the victory over Georgia Tech this weekend, that final game of the season against North Carolina will mean everything because NC State will become bowl eligible. This has been such a difficult season to be an NC State fan. They have a lot of holes on its roster. You know, it's a young team. So the future is bright, brighter next season. But it's always great to end the season with a victory over the Tar Heels. So we'll see if NC State can win this weekend over Georgia Tech. And then we'll live to see another day last weekend of the season against North Carolina. So in the ACC, NC State over Georgia Tech. In the Big Ten, I'm taking Minnesota over Northwestern. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. I think Minnesota will row the boat yet again this weekend. So P.J. Fleck has got his boys rowing that boat. (laughs) This game is being played in Evanston, where Chicago's Big Ten team will get a Chicago Big Ten beatdown by Minnesota, who will be looking to row the boat again. Their boat was sunk this past weekend in Iowa, but I think they'll find out how to patch that hole so that they stay afloat, and then they'll continue to row the boat. Northwestern, and such a, a tough season for Northwestern. They are currently 2-8. and eight. Overall, two and four in the conference. Northwestern—they haven't had a losing season since 2014. In that season, the Wildcats win five and seven. But it—this is such a rough go for Northwestern. I mean, they won the Big Ten West last season, and now they're in the basement of the Big Ten West this season. Yikes! And I'm sure at Northwestern they haven't been able to uh, get some good old-fashioned American partying in in a while. Is that what uh, Pat Fisher would say? Some good old-fashioned American fun or something like that. He had some sort of corny, corny little uh, thing that he would do after they, they'd win victories. They'd be like, I'm going to go celebrate All-American style. He's corny. But anyways, I think Minnesota will win over Northwestern this weekend. In the Big 12, I'm taking OK State over West Virginia. And OK State has a very great running back there, Chuba Hubbard. Leads the nation in rushing, and I feel like we don't really hear much about him. Because he plays for Oklahoma State, they're not really that relevant this season. But this young man is a beast. Against Kansas last week, he ran for 122 yards and had two touchdowns in the 31-6 beatdown. Through 10 games, Hubbard has rushed for 1,726 yards. Will he be invited to the Heisman ceremony? I think he's deserved it. He should. I mean, he leads the nation in rushing. He definitely should be there with Jonathan Taylor. I don't think a running back will get the trophy this season it has gone to a quarterbacks the last few seasons, last several seasons, but he definitely deserves to be at the Heisman ceremony. What a great uh, season, great career for this young man. He's been a, a really good running back uh, in the entire FBS. We'll see if he gets honored with an invite to the Heisman later in the season. Then in the Pac-12, I'm taking USC over UCLA. USC hosts this game this weekend where the Trojans are 15-5 and versus UCLA with the home team coming out on top in six out of the last eight meetings. So USC will fight on. Then in the SEC, I'm taking Georgia over Texas A&M. I think Georgia wins this game because it matters and I think they will stay relevant within the college football playoff hunt. So Georgia will just continue to roll on. They're going to get the victory this weekend over Texas A&M. And those are my locks for Week 13 action. Let me run those down for you one more time. In the ACC, NC State over Georgia Tech. In the Big Ten, Minnesota over Northwestern. In the Big 12, Oklahoma State over West Virginia. In the Pac-12, USC over UCLA. And in the SEC, Georgia over Texas A&M. We're going to take a short break right now. But after the break... I will recap Week 12 action, and then I'll also preview the Week 13 games that have my interest. So just stay right there. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this break. Are you looking for a podcast that dissects and discusses the best team in the National Football League? My name is Brendan Shagru, host of The 46 Podcast, a podcast that covers the charter franchise in the NFL, the Chicago Bears. Join me after every game as I share my thoughts about the Bears, win or lose, and preview the next game with guest interviews, analysis, and my own personal joy or rage depending on what happens with the team. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more, or check us out on the Big Heads Media Network. Hey guys, welcome back. And so now I'm going to recap Week 12 games. Uh, there were some good ones this past weekend, and I'll start with the Oklahoma versus Baylor matchup which was the primetime game of week 12 action Baylor got out to a huge lead in this game I mean this game was I thought this game was over I turned away from the game at halftime when the score was 31 to 10 31 to 10 Baylor and if you looked on Twitter folks were applauding Matt Rule they're saying this man he needs to go to the NFL this dude He's coached this team. He's been so successful compared to the other teams in the Big 12. They already have top talent. You know, teams like Oklahoma and Texas, they have a pipeline of talent. But this dude came in when Baylor was pretty much that program was decimated from the Art Briles situation. And Matt Rule came in and turned this program around, it infused a winning culture And, you know, hats off, regardless of the loss, hats off to Matt Rule because he he has done a great job. But people are just like, man, Matt Rule is doing the damn thing. They won this game. It's a blowout. Oklahoma sucks. Jalen Hurts isn't as good as a lot of folks think he is and saying all this and that about it. Like They were just running away with their thoughts, thinking that it was a blowout, thinking that Oklahoma wasn't worthy. So I turned away. I was like, this game's done. 31 to 10. That's a wrap. So what I did with my partner, we watched uh, Disney+. Plus. Her and I watched a little bit of the Peter Pan from back in the day, the animated Peter Pan. And uh, it was cool. I mean, I, you know, Disney+. Plus, and shout out to my buddy who let me use his Disney Plus login. That was a huge move. Thank you, David. That, that was awesome. So I'm, I'm watching Disney Plus with my partner, and we turn on Peter Pan, you know. And I haven't seen Peter Pan since I was a little kid, so I, I don't really remember the movie. That much i just remember peter pan and tinkerbell and it was it was actually funny because tinkerbell has low-key shade in this entire movie i mean she has a little crush on peter pan and she's pretty ruthless but the part that really got me a little uh feeling a little uncomfortable was the blatant racism in that movie um i just didn't remember you know there's uh th- there's Quite a few scenes in that movie where, where they're depicting Native Americans in that movie. And it was pretty blatantly racist. And in the beginning of the movie on Disney+, Plus, there's a disclaimer warning. There is uh, uh, nicotine references in this movie. Like, that, that was cute. Like, you know, that's cool. You know, warn the little kids about the nicotine references. But really what you should have been warning folks about is the blatant racism. In that movie. Because I didn't realize it. I didn't remember it. And we didn't even finish watching the movie. But it was pretty bad. And I think that just that was a time period back in the day. Like all those movies that came out, all those little animated cartoons. Pretty racist and pretty uh vaudeville, I guess you could say. Uh vaudeville. Um, just, just I guess that's just a marker of the time period. It but it just was an uncomfortable watch. And so yeah, I watched that. But then we turned it back on, and then that's when I saw that Baylor's defense crumbled and allowed Oklahoma to, the, to erase their three-touchdown lead to end up winning the game for the Sooners. Yikes, man. I, I had Baylor winning this game. I thought they could do it. I thought they would do it. But their defense just crumbled. Jalen Hurts ended up having a great game. He had 411 yards of total offense with four touchdowns and one interception. So Oklahoma lives on in the college football playoff discussion. I mean, they're a team that you have to consider uh, after beating an unbeaten team in the Big Twelve. They were the last unbeaten team in the Big Twelve, and uh, such a devastating loss for Baylor. But um, yeah, that, that was a game that really was interesting towards the end. There, Baylor would end up losing that game, thirty-four to thirty-one. Then another game that had my interest was number seven Minnesota versus number twenty-three Iowa. They were on the road. Minnesota was. Uh, they had to row their boats to kinnick stadium and they ended up losing that game 23 to 19 it certainly was a tough game for minnesota they have now lost five straight games against the hawkeyes the gophers haven't won at kinnick stadium since 1999 when cherry Pickin was in seventh grade um yeah they've they've lost nine straight on the road in this series minnesota has so uh, such a devastating loss for minnesota who was feeling as high as could be i mean they were undefeated They were looking like legit threats to the Big Ten standings, as well as the college football playoff standings. And while Minnesota still controls its own destiny within the Big Ten West, you know, there's still a path forward for the Big Ten championship game. I think this loss hurts them in their pursuits to get into the college football playoffs so that's pretty devastating that that kind of sucks for minnesota but hats off to iowa i mean they had come off of a tough 24 to 22 loss to wisconsin the week prior and they had lost to the three ranked teams on its schedule this season so they they finally get a victory over a ranked team this season and And it was a top 10 opponent. It was Minnesota, one of the darlings of college football this season. So the Hawkeyes did what they had to do. They came out and they were just lights out on their first three possessions of this game. They scored on the first three possessions. By halftime, the score was 20 to 6. So the Gophers were in quite a big hole. But they did come back in the game. But it just wasn't enough in the end. Uh, the Hawkeyes defense was able to limit the Gophers to only 63 yards rushing and cause one interception. So the Hawkeyes played a complete game and they deserved the win. And like I said before, I was a very tough place to win on the road. So, So I thought Minnesota would have some difficulties at Iowa City, but I thought they could win the game and I was horribly wrong on that prediction. So... Great win for Iowa they won twenty three to nineteen. Then another game that had my interest was the Georgia versus Auburn matchup number five Georgia versus number thirteen Auburn. Georgia was on the road for this game. They ended up getting the victory twenty one to fourteen. The Bulldogs had to win that game or else they would have been eliminated from the college football playoff discussion. And they got the victory. It was the 123rd meeting between those two schools. And Georgia played very well in the in the beginning of this game. They jumped out to a 21-0 lead heading into the fourth quarter. So the Bulldogs did what it had to do. It took care of the job. They won a tough game against Auburn because they Auburn did end up scoring 14 points in the fourth quarter. But Georgia held on and they lived to see another day in the college football playoff discussion. I mean, Georgia controls its own destiny at this point. So hats off to Georgia. And those those were the three games that really had my interest in week 12. But then if we look forward to week 13, I do want to preview some of the games that have my interest. So I'll start with the Big 12 Conference, Baylor versus Texas. I think Baylor will bounce back and win this. Texas pretty much disappeared. I mean, they've they've lost some Tough games, and they've kind of fallen off the radar. And I think Baylor will get back to its winning ways with a a victory over Texas this weekend. Then in the Big Ten, we have Penn State versus Ohio State. Penn State lost to Minnesota a few weeks ago, so I don't know that they really can do anything with the victory over Ohio State. Like I think Penn State is out of the college football playoff conversation, if we're being realistic. And I, I also think Ohio State will probably blow Penn State out of the water, but. Anything could happen. I mean, this is going to be a a great game between two great teams from the Big Ten East standings. And if we look at last season, Penn State had the lead over Ohio State, but they couldn't hold on to a 15-point fourth-quarter lead. And they wound up losing to the Buckeyes by a score of 26-27, to I believe the score was. So it would be good for... Coach Franklin to to get a quality win uh, against Ohio State this weekend but I just don't think that he's going to do it. And I don't think Penn State will win this weekend. So that'll be a game to keep your eyes on though because if Ohio State does lose, that will certainly shake up college football playoff rankings. Ohio State is one of the last 3 unbeaten teams this season, so anything can happen. It's college football, but I think it's unlikely that that will happen. Then we have Michigan versus Indiana. This is an interesting game because Indiana, while they, they've lost to the three ranked opponents on its schedule this season, they have handled the bums very well on their schedule this season en route to a 7-3 and record. Michigan enters this game as a ranked team, and I think this could actually be pretty close. This could be a really good game. Indiana could get the upset. I, I could see that happening. This game could be close because last year was the four straight meeting decided by 11 points or less. Indiana led 17 to 15 at halftime, but couldn't hold on to win. So Indiana let that game slip away. But historically, the last four games they they've been fairly close, within two touchdowns. So I think Indiana could do something in this game this weekend. I'm just saying, I w- it wouldn't be surprised to see an upset. And then another game that I'm really interested in is Tennessee versus Missouri out of the SEC. Both of those teams have five wins through 12 weeks of the season. So whoever wins this victory is becoming bowl eligible. Now Missouri is an interesting team because Missouri had such a hot start to the season. I mean, they won five out of their first six games, but have been on a four-game losing streak since that point. So Missouri has, has really tumbled a, quite a ways because they were one of the hottest teams this season to start the season. And at a, at one point, I mean, they were in the driver's seat within the SEC East. So quite the fall for the Missouri Tigers. But I think they, there may be an opportunity for them to salvage the season if they can get a bowl berth victory this weekend against Tennessee. Now by comparison, Tennessee was pretty much left for dead after the first couple of weeks of the season. A lot of folks were writing that oh this is the worst the program's ever been. The program is in such bad state. This program is just not what it used to be. And while that's true, it's not the same Tennessee program that we grew up with in the 90s. It, Tennessee has been bad. Like it it's already been bad. This isn't the worst it's been. It's it's pretty bad consistently. It's bad. It's a bad product. But Tennessee has five wins right now. They're literally knock, knocking on the door to go to a bowl game. And they lost four out of the first six games of the season. But they've won the last three games with two games left to get to bowl eligibility. This week is Missouri. Next week is Vanderbilt. And they probably will beat Vanderbilt. And they'll be bowl eligible. So it's it's crazy when the media decides to jump after things and, and really overreact to stuff. Certainly it wasn't good that Tennessee lost to Georgia State or whoever it was this season, but Tennessee is still able to get to a bowl. And I think at the end of the day, that's what you want as a program, right? Like you want your fans to see a bowl game. You want to get your team to a bowl game. And they're about to do it. They could they could beat Missouri this weekend. They could. So Paul Feinbaum, I know he had strong reactions to, you know, that loss earlier in the season and he said it's rock bottom. I think he just needs to pump the brakes. Because Tennessee is bad, but we've we we know it's not the same Tennessee program that we grew up with, or that he grew up with, because he's a hundred years old. But Tennessee if they get the victory to get to become bowl eligible, that's really what I'll be interested in this weekend. So those are the games that I'm really glued in on. For Week 13 action, we've only got two weeks left, my friends, and it's depressing because I wait for this all season long. I love doing these podcasts and and producing content for you guys, but it's sad that we're almost to the end of the season here. So Week 13 will be in the books after this weekend, and those were the games that you should be watching. I mean, I'll be watching those games. We can watch them together, and I can't wait to watch them all unfold. Before I get out of here, I do want to talk about a little bit of college football news that happened this weekend, and that news is Nebraska's head coach, Scott Frost, signed a two-year extension through 2026. Uh, Scott Frost signed the extension prior to their game this weekend, and through two seasons with Nebraska, Scott Frost is 8-14, and 14. but I agree with the decision to extend Scott Frost an extra two years. And I'll play the soundbite from my good friend, Herb Lawrence, who said it so eloquently a couple weeks ago, about uh, extending your coaches and making sure that they have enough time to turn a program around. Here's that soundbite right now. I just can't say enough words about how much faith that Josh Whitman, the AD, put in him by allowing him to get a extension and sticking with him while others were like, "Let's move on from Lovey." You see the situation out in Florida State. It parallels to the Illini situation. But they didn't have faith in what the coach was doing there. You have to allow the coach at least four years, minimum four years to either fire or hire him for more because you don't know what you're going to get. You just don't know what a coach can do when he gets his own players under him, his own coaching staff under him, understand the program, people start believing and buying in. And I wholeheartedly agree with Herb Lawrence. You need to give your coach time because if you don't give them time, how, how can you expect them to build their program up and, and have something to really build off of if you only give them a couple years to, to essentially fail? I mean, you're, you're letting them fail if you only give them two years. It's not their players. It's not their staff. They need to infuse that program with their own, uh, their own players, their own staff, and do it their own way. And so I agree wholeheartedly to give Scott Frost an extra two years because he's going to need time to turn that program around. And they, they aren't there this year. I, I'm, I don't know why folks thought that they would be so improved. I mean, this team only won four games last season, and you thought that they were going to win the Big Ten West? Uh, get out of here, man. That's, that's crazy talk. But I agree with extending Scott Frost. I think an extra two years, and you know we'll see what he can do after next season but you definitely have to extend them because that's the right move. And I just want to read a quote from Scott Frost after the ink had dried from that contract. Scott Frost said, and I quote, this is where I want to be, Frost said. People in Nebraska know me pretty well. I'm a fighter and I'm not going to quit until we get this right. We took the Nebraska job as a staff because we figured we could have the runway to build this and build this the right way. There was more work than we anticipated before we came to Lincoln and there still are things we need to do we're going to get this done, end quote. That's a a quote from a winner. Scott Frost is going to win there in Nebraska. I know they're the laughing stock right now, and they were last season, but once Nebraska gets rolling, it'll be really good to see them relevant again in the Big Ten, especially the Big Ten West, because it historically hasn't been that, uh, that competitive. But if Nebraska can come back and be at the level that it It once was, I mean, that would be insane because they would rock the college football world. And and they'll probably never get back to that level of dominance that they had in the the 90s and the early 2000s. But if they can just become a program that is consistently going to bowl games, is consistently pushing for the Big Ten West title, I think that will do college football great, great things to have them relevant again. So I'm wishing this man some luck and I, I wish him all the success going forward, but I, I think it was definitely the right thing to give him a two-year extension because give that man time to put that program where you want it to go. Nebraska has a really strong fan base. They're really committed to football and Nebraska Cornhuskers football. I think you may have the right guy there. Just give him some time. All right, so now we'll head out of here. And before I go, I just want to give you an update on my playoff tracker. Number one, LSU. They beat Ole Miss 58-37 to 37 this past weekend. They face Arkansas this week. That should be a blowout victory for the Tigers. Then we have Clemson at number three in the AP poll. They beat Wake Forest 52-3, to which is pretty bad because Wake Forest was the second best team in the Atlantic this year, and I thought it would be a closer matchup, but Clemson just tore the brakes off them and just just dominated from the first whistle to the last whistle. This weekend they have a bye in week 13, which seems kind of crazy, but they're going to need that bye to get ready for the last game of the season and then the ACC championship game prior to heading into the playoffs. So maybe it's good timing that they have that bye. Then we have number seven, Utah. They beat UCLA 49-3. They moved up one spot in the AP poll this week, and they face an Arizona squad this week. And Arizona has a record that's like 4-5 and five right now. So I think Utah should get the victory over the Wildcats pretty easily. And then the last team on my playoff tracker. These are teams that I predicted in the preseason would make it into the college football playoffs at the postseason. We have number eight, Oklahoma. They beat Baylor 34 to 31. It was a great game. They came back and uh, just beat Baylor embarrassed them at home. Oklahoma lives on to see another day in the playoff hunt. And this week they face TCU in week 13 action. And Oklahoma, as a result of embarrassing Baylor, Moved up two spots in the AP poll for this week. So that's my playoff tracker, LSU, Clemson, Utah, and Oklahoma. I'm excited to see what happens this weekend in Week 13 action and to see if there's any shakeup to my playoff tracker. And um, yeah I really can't wait to dive into all the action this weekend. I want to thank you guys for listening to my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to me recap Week 12 action and then preview Week 13 action. We are almost at the end of the season, which is really unfortunate and really sad. But we have a few more weeks to go. And I hope you guys have fun watching college football this weekend. I can't wait to talk to you in a couple weeks. Because actually, I'll I'll be gone with the family on a little holiday to uh, Minnesota. Never been out there before. And so we're celebrating Thanksgiving the entire week with my partner's family. So we're going to have a good time, um, Sarah and I and Zola. So I'm going to take a little break next week, but I'll be back the week after. So week 14, uh, I'll be back to recap that action. And I can't wait to dive into it with you guys and, and talk football with you. So thank you for listening to this podcast. And I hope you guys have a great week. Hope you enjoy watching gospel ball this weekend. Hope you have a great and a happy Thanksgiving holiday, and I can't wait to talk to you after Thanksgiving. So thank you, guys. Have a good one. Take care. Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. (laughs) Thank you again for tuning into my Cherry Picking Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe to my show and drop me a rating on Apple Podcasts. All of my digital content can be found at the website cherrypickinsports.com. And if you are looking to interact with me via social media, my Twitter handle is at cherry underscore pickin. That's P-I-C-K-I-N. On my Twitter, you'll also find a link to my blog where I post my weekly college football predictions and analysis. I can also be reached via email at cherrypickensports at gmail.com. Please feel free to reach out to me regarding what you like about this podcast or about what content you'd like to hear more of on future episodes. I sincerely thank you for your support and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Take care.